Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we are back. Second part of our UFC 278 post-fight coverage. We have a brand new welterweight champion of the world. His name is Leon Edwards. And what an end to a very interesting, sometimes bizarre card. And it ended in just the most insane, wacky way possible. New champ, big upset, fun fights, a lot to discuss here on our live UFC 278 post-fight show. Thank you for joining us. I am Mike Heck. Jed Mishu is here. We will hear his fiery hot takes in a matter of moments. But first, let's head to Salt Lake City, Utah and join Mr. Jose Youngs, who is joining us right now. Jose, how are you, my man? Leon Edwards is the new welterweight champion. He was down three rounds to run in the scorecards, on his way to losing the fifth round, and then boom, head kick with less than a minute left. We got a new champion. Your reaction to what we saw in the main event tonight? I mean, it was obviously one of the more shocking finishes I've seen. Uh, I wouldn't put it as the sh- most shocking as or best comeback, as a lot of people say, especially in a title fight. I'd still kind of give that to Anderson submitting Chael Sonnen. But it's clearly like if you on the short list for most shocking knockouts, craziest comebacks, uh, biggest upsets, whatever you want to call it. Like it's clearly this moment will live in time in MMA. But yeah. But, all right, we'll see you later. I mean, leave, leave alone here. It's okay. <laughs> As, uh, Unbelievable. It's clearly, it's clearly on the short list for, like, a lot of end-of-the-year awards, like, historic moments in MMA. This is going to be one of those things where, where were you watching when Leon Edwards' head kicked Kamaru Usman? Uh, it's obviously the first time Kamaru Usman's lost in the UFC, first time he's been knocked out. Like, England's got it. It's it's first UFC welterweight champion, so uh, a lot of firsts in the UFC. So it's a this historic moment here, and not for nothing. Everyone complained about why are they coming to Utah. This crowd was better than a Vegas card. This crowd was better than Jacksonville. This crowd was better than Houston. This crowd was better than Dallas. This crowd was better than almost everything outside of that first London card I went to. This arena was unhinged for almost the entire night. So. 
very, very fun night and all around for fights. If you if you were up here, obviously. Yeah, and just it's it just one of those things that makes you appreciate the emotional roller coaster that is the sport because you have a man in Kamara who's winning the fight the way we expected him to win it, and then boom, it all happens. And now some big things going on, Jose. Now, I mean, I know Dana kind of walked it back at the press conference, but they want to do the the rematch in London, the trilogy fight. L- Wembley was mentioned. Leon Edwards is obviously very excited about that idea. Is there a chance, like, what would you gauge the chances that this third fight, this rematch for the belts between Leon Edwards and Kamar Usman actually takes place at Wembley Stadium? Do you think Leon has enough of a, has, has enough power in this moment to be like, come on, man, like, we got to do this. Do you think Dana can be convinced to make this happen in the stadium? Oh, I think, I mean, if, if, if Dana could guarantee it doesn't rain in London, England, then probably. <laughs> but that's a call order. That's like saying don't let the sun rise in Florida. It just doesn't. It happens like twice a year. So it, it's just hard because it's an outdoor arena. You don't want it to rain in the, in the UFC fight. So if you could guarantee that, then yeah, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'd give it a 10 out of 10 chance. But it's just it's a, it's a, weird, it's a weird scene holding stuff outside. But if they're going to hold in a, a, a stadium show, the UK's the place to do it because they're used to watching – uh, sporting events in this big stadium, same as Australia. So if they're going to go anywhere in London and they go to the in, to Wembley, so be it. Hope it doesn't rain in London. I know that's a tall order. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, co-main event, we saw just an insane fight between Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold. The stakes fight. were very high for both guys. It was just a crazy battle. Went back and forth. If you told me that this fight was going to go to a decision, I would have laughed in your face heading into that fight. But we got a 15-minute war, and from all indications, the final one of Luke Rockhold's career. What did you think of the fight and, and Rockhold's decision to to call it a career? I mean, Rockhold's retired before, so I guess it doesn't surprise me, but also wouldn't surprise me if you walked it back like he did before. Um, I don't know it came off through the TV, but it was... It was a weird fight, man, because like the crowd was booing, and the loudest pop of the night, besides Leon Edwards' head kicking Kamar Usman, was when I think that in the third round when when Costa was just controlling Rockhold on the canvas, and there was like nothing really happening, and the crowd was getting real annoyed and booing when Luke got hit the transition and got on top. It's like it was like watching a knockout. Like people were just excited that Luke Rockhold did something, and they started rubbing blood into his head, and the place just went nuts. I was like, "What? What am I missing here?" It was just a basic transition to top control, but the crowd went nuts for it. So, yeah, weird fight, exciting fight. Uh, didn't expect Luke Rockhold to literally turn his back at points, put his hands on his knees. Paulo Costa threw almost no punches to the head, which was very weird. It was a lot of like body shots and head kicks, but Luke's hands were literally on his at his side. And I'm like, Paulo, just punch him in the head. And like that's all you have to do. And he just didn't do it. Weird, sloppy fight. And I was like, is this the best worst fight I've ever seen? Or the worst best fight I have ever seen? And I'm leaning towards the best worst fight I have ever seen in the UFC. So I had a good time. It was crazy to watch and people loved it. And I guess that's what's most important. I mean, it, w- when you're pondering retirement and you head into the octagon, you think it might be your last fight. Like you want to go out with a win, obviously. But for Luke Rockhold, even going out on a loss, is this like the best way that he could potentially walk away from the sport right now? Like after a crazy fight like that, fans cheering for him. 
I mean, it's not a win, but this is about as as good as it can get coming off of a loss, is it not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he got the respect of everyone, not named Jake Paul, but who cares about that? Um, yeah, I mean, walked out with his head held high. Dan Cormier called like left. The, I don't know if they showed it on the broadcast or whatever, but Dan Cormier literally left the commentary booth to go hug. Luke Rockhold and Luke Rockhold was holding back tears, hugged Cheeto before he walked out, and then his teammates and him walked to the back. And Luke Rockhold, this is indeed the last time we see Luke Rockhold in the octagon. He's had 99% of the MMA world would kill to have his career. Obviously, he has a lot of opportunities outside of the sport. So I just hope whatever he does, he succeeds. Uh, and good on him for the all week not holding back on the fighter paid talk because he's definitely one of the louder voices and definitely pushed the narrative that most fighters should push. Marab Dualjuli defeats Jose Aldo. Wasn't the fight we expected, but Marab gets the biggest win of his career. Boo, Where do you think this win? Where, we'll get to you, Jed. Quiet down over there. Uh, what does this win do for him? Like, where where is he sort of in this Grand Prix of sorts at 135? Like, I felt like Cheeto Vera was the biggest winner tonight, but where does this put Marab after beating Jose Aldo? I mean, it really depends on how the fight and Abu Dhabi plays out because if TJ wins and they want to do Marab versus TJ because Marab wants to get revenge on TJ, so be it. But then if Sugar Sean O'Malley beats Pure Yawn, I don't know, you don't give him a title shot against either TJ Dillashaw or uh, Pure Yawn. Or if, if they give Marab the title fight and then you do Cheeto versus Sean O'Malley for the number one contender, that's if Sean O'Malley beats Pyotr Jan, which is also a tall task. If Pyotr Jan wins, he obviously has beef with uh, Marab Dvalashvili too because you saw what he was tweeting. So uh, Marab rises, but there's a few other pins that have to fall down because we also have the uh, the Sandhagen Song Yudong fight that is awesome. That has to that also has to play out. So ask me again in October, and I'll have a better answer. All right, last thing. Outside of the top three fights, what's the most memorable moment of the night for you? What stood out to you the most? Hmm. Besides Dana saying hmm. that the, the Raiders almost got Tom Brady and Gronk. Well, I don't give a, I don't give a crap about that. I'm a sports <laughs> fan. I don't like, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan, so I don't like the Patriots. Um, I'd probably say, I mean, anytime you put fat heavyweights fighting in altitude, that's always fun. Uh, the Jared Gordon fight was the Jared Gordon fight was intriguing, and his post-fight interview, I think, stood out because he called out Patty Pimblett, not because he doesn't like him or wants the rub, but because he wants to increase awareness towards mental health. And then he made a lot of other jokes about like his past drug issues and stuff. So at least he's making light of it. So probably those two, Amir Al-Bazi obviously looked absolutely incredible. And he said uh, modern day jujitsu is watered down. And I was like, damn, I really want to see him fight someone in the top five at flyweight ASAP. So yeah, a lot of fun fights. Uh, Tyson Pedro obviously front kicked uh, Harry Hunsucker and then says he wants to run it back with Shogun. And he won't tell me why outside if he wants to. He wants to get the win back, but he also promised someone that he would get it. And he'd tell me after he he fights him. So all those, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of nuggets of interest after this, after this fight card. There you go. Jose, thank you very much. Appreciate it. I know it's chaos over there in Salt Lake city, but well done, my man, safe travels back to Phoenix and, uh, Yay. we'll see you on the next one, my man. And say goodbye to that guy, yeah. Mark Ramundi over there. who just wants to, to get Raimondi. on camera so bad. Yeah. Shouts to Ramundi. He just wants to be on camera so badly. Thank you, Jose. I appreciate Jose, it. Can, can you give Ramundi a good chop, a good chop against his, across his chest right now? Just, Oh yeah, just <laughs> 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 oh, on the podcast. On, on the podcast network, you're not going to be able to see the chop that Jose just landed on Mark, but Mark sold it absolutely perfectly. So, yeah. all right, Jose, enjoy the rest of your evening, and 
Good awesome work, way. Guy. Great job. Great, great work. Let's bring up Jed Mishu because he's just been sitting back, oh, no. waiting for his opportunity to wax poetically about what we saw tonight in Utah. It was a crazy card. There it is. There's Jed Mishu. Jed, Leon Edwards is the freaking champion of the world. And I don't think like the results if like in a vacuum is all that surprising because I even tweeted out right for the fight, last chance, who's picking Leon Edwards. I couldn't believe the amount of responses of people saying Leon Edwards is going to win this fight. But after round four, I don't think anybody expected Leon Edwards to win this fight. And he comes up this, like Jose said, I don't think this is the most shocking moment in UFC history, but as you like to do on damn, they were good. This is a Mount Rushmore shocking moment in UFC history. Is it not? Oh yeah, for sure. Like this is again, because it's exactly what you said, right? Like it is not, if you had told me at the beginning of the night that Leon Edwards is going to win by head kick KO, I'd have been like, that's actually very plausible. Uh, because I even wrote that that was a possibility of my breakdown of this fight. Like Kamaru Usman mostly blocks head kicks. He doesn't. And so like, you should do that a lot just because it's a good thing. And that's a great way for you to knock somebody out. If you've ever played UFC like four or whatever, <laughs> but I would never have said it would have come after Leon looked defeated. Cause like he really just did. Like I know some Twitter people are getting like really upset with the commentary team for saying it, but like, he he actively did look defeated at points in time. And at one point in time, he looked up to Herb Dean while he's getting smothered and like does the does the classic, I don't have any answers here, so I'm going to look to Herb Dean about what the hell's going on. Like, But it's a credit to Leon Edwards because even though he was defeated in the fifth round, he pulled himself together and, and did what he needed to do. So uh, in you know at the beginning of the night, if you told me, not shocking, like not super shocking, surprising – with all the context, there I think there's a good argument that this is the greatest KO in, in UFC history, like given the context of the moment. Yeah, it was it was absolutely unbelievable. And it's just it's just the roller coaster of the sport can provide, Jed. Kamar Usman, you know, had a tough first round. Leon Edwards capitalized on a very rare mistake from Kamaru and Maybe at that point, people were like, oh, maybe maybe Kamaru isn't taking this as seriously. But Trevor Whitman, great job in the corner saying, look, you made a mistake. It's okay. It happens. Just don't make any more. And Kamaru's like, okay. And he came out and had a great second round, great third round, great fourth round, and a great fifth round until the head kick lands. But there is no other option here. We're running this one back a third time. Like, you weren't really... A lot of people really weren't sure how this could go, especially with Hamza Shemaev getting ready to fight Nate Diaz. Not that this is real title implications, but it's a huge fight. Shemaev is a is a rising star in the promotion. And now, obviously, Jorge Mazadal has tweeted out that, oh, maybe we're going back to the UK. That's a big fight for Leon. That's one that he wants. It's a big fight for the UFC because Mazadal is a star. It's, it would be a big fight for Leon as well, not just from the personal level, but for his bank account as well, but there's no other option here. We're going, we're going to London. We're going to do it either at the O2 or, or Wembley. And we're going to do Edwards Usman three. Are we not? We are. I, I dislike that because I've been on the record time and time again. I hate immediate rematches like in any circumstance, except for like an outright robbery or of like a very narrow window that I'm okay with an immediate rematch. Uh, like there's just nothing else going on because it feels unfair to me to Leon Edwards. Like he, he did the thing. He won the fight. He did the thing. 
now he has to do it twice. And that has always felt very unfair to me when you could just demand Usman gets one more win and then Leon can defend against somebody else. But that's not the reality that we live in. They're for sure going to run this back. Um, and it'll probably be a really big fight. And if they can do it in England, uh, that would be great. And I hope that they can do it. But like, I don't, I, if I was in charge, I probably would give it to Jorge Masvidal, even though that's like the worst kind of fight. It's big business. It's, it's a reward for Leon for doing the thing. Like he, he did the thing. Let's, let's reward him with a fight. He very clearly wants a fight. He will win. You could do it in England and then you can do Usman next and it's, it's okay. And you're getting at least one more squeeze out of Masvidal because otherwise you're just not going to get one out of Masvidal. But yeah, that's, it's fine. I mean, we'll, we'll run back Usman Edwards three. And I mean, it was a, I won't say it was an entertaining fight, but it was very good mixed martial arts. So I got no issues in in the aggregate. Yeah, and another name that kind of slides back into the title conversation outside once this trilogy is wrapped and packed, Colby Covington now is back in the title picture. And I know that kind of rubs people the wrong way, but now you have a, a potential fresh matchup. And if Colby gets a win, he's probably right back in there. I have to say this before we move on. Besides Kamara Usman, True or false, the biggest loser in this situation is Bilal Muhammad. Is it has to be because he was, I mean, he's probably still like two or three wins away from getting to Usman, anyways, because of his he's not a huge star, like he's likable, he's on a good streak, and eventually he's probably gonna get the Leon treatment. Like he'd probably need eight or nine wins in a row and eventually get a title shot. But now that Leon's here, you got a trilogy fight coming up. Shamaya beats Diaz. He's in the conversation. Mazadal's in the conversation. Colby's in the conversation. Bilal, even if he puts the boots to Sean Brady, is probably taking a step back here, right? I would disagree that he's the biggest loser because I think Hamzat is the biggest loser because Hamzat was going to get the next Walter Reed title fight, and now he's on ice, and he'll either fight Bilal, which is probably – if Bilal wins, and I don't think he will because I think Sean Brady's really damn good – but if Bilal does win, he is probably in a situation where he has to try and call out Hamzat. And Hamzat has to decide if he's ready to fight. Like If he wants to continue fighting, then he'll get to. But otherwise, he'll just have to wait for the winner of this bout. Uh, which is a shame because I've been pretty open about it. I think Hamzat uh, would beat either of these men up if they got into a fist fight. Uh, I think he's probably the best welterweight in the world. And he's going to do horrible things to Nate Diaz. And then he's going to have to wait until next year to, to get a title fight. So I think he's the biggest loser. Also, it's hard for me to call Bilal the biggest loser because I don't think he's beating Sean Brady. So it kind of doesn't affect him in any regard. <laughs> but if we're living in a world where he does beat Sean Brady, I'm still, like I said, I'm still not even sure it sets him back because he was beating. I don't care if he, if he tornado kick KO Sean Brady in six seconds, he's not, he's not getting a title fight. He's still at least one, probably two wins away. So he's, cause you're right. He's good. He's the new Leon Edwards. Like that's where it is. So I just don't think it sets him that back. It's, I mean, it, he would have preferred it not happen, but I think ultimately it's not a huge difference for him. Fair enough. Let's go to the co-main event. Oh no. First, I want to say oh. one very important thing about the main event. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but we can get to questions and sure a ton of them. That first round, buddy, I just want to talk about it because we were in our 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 work slack 
And we're talking about how weird this card was and the altitude and funny, odd shit was happening. And so I went on DraftKings.com and I looked at uh, the prop bets and I was like, Leon Edwards by submission is an astronomical plus 24 and change hundred. That would be the silliest and stupidest possible outcome here. I'm going to bet on it. Just, just do a little <laughs> bit down. And in the first round, when he gets to back and he is fishing an arm under, I was losing my mind. I was trying to live blog and not be like, do it, do it, choke him, choke him, choke him. <laughs> I felt so good for such a brief moment in time. And that's why gambling is great. Just there you go. To share that. Don't listen to AK. AK says never gamble on MMA. Gambling Jet says is, absolutely it, gamble on MMA. Uh, this fight would have been great anyway, but I had so much fun in that first round when like it really <laughs> looked like that was going to happen. Oh, man, so, that would have been absolutely insane. You would have been taking a victory lap right now of epic proportions. Uh, Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to the co-main event because we're talking about weird and crazy this one, and I was talking to Casey about this on the press conference show that had that head kick not landed, we'd be spending the majority of the time on this post-fight show talking about this co-main event between Paul Acosta and Luke Rockhold. And I think Jose sort of set the table perfectly here. It was either the best worst fight or the worst best fight, but it was a damn lot of fun watching it. I'm sure you enjoyed it. This is a much different fight than a lot of us expected. And I think that was sort of the theme throughout the night, but the co-main event, what did you think? Fight ruled. Um, I mean, I, I am not, I haven't done a, a decided list, but off the top of my head, it's the second best fight of the year. Uh, obviously behind your perhaps or Glover Teixeira, like no, nothing's beating that fight. It's one of the three best fights of all time, if not just outright the best fight of all time. But I mean, 
I I come down on the side that I think Jose ultimately settled on that this was the worst best fight. <clears throat> it there were a lot of bad tactical decisions and some real sloppiness, but it just enhanced the quality. And so it it was great. Uh and I, I tweeted it. If this is the last we see Luke Rockhold, it's a hell of a way to go out, man. Um really good fight, really fun. In no way a fight I expected. I thought this was two true outcomes. Rockhold gets a takedown and wins, or Rockhold gets punched in the face and falls over. Somehow neither both of those things happened, but neither of them happened. It was it it was very, very compelling watch. Uh and if if you bought this pay-per-view, I the first two fights not worth your money. We talked about it in the pre-show. Uh, but the main event outcome and that fight more than delivered for your purchase price this this time around true or false we have seen luke rockhold's last ufc fight i'm gonna go false but i'm not i don't have a ton of confidence behind that i mean he has left the sport before it's hard for me i it makes sense him leaving at this point oddly makes sense and doesn't right because we all talked about beforehand. We all thought that if he lost, he would leave. But I think, certainly for me, and I can't speak for you, but my belief was that if he lost, it was going to be brutally violent and in the same way he's been losing. It was going to be a left hook that punches him unconscious. And he didn't. And I have a lot of questions on if Paulo Costa is good at fighting. I think he is, but I'm not. He is a very, very weird fighter for me to judge. Because he's obviously extremely durable, and I, I think his game is is smartly built. But I, sometimes he fights really, really not smart, and he also, Luke Rockhold is his best win, and I'm not sure not knocking out Luke Rockhold, who's old and hadn't fought in three years, is actually a good win, if that seems disparaging it probably is but like i just have a lot of questions about paulo costa but he is one of the top 10 middleweights in the world and he didn't like totally style on luke he won convincingly but luke had a ton of moments in that fight and it is possible that that fight could look very different not at altitude which seemed to play havoc with everybody tonight so uh it was very odd that this luke lost the fight but if he I don't feel he needs to retire, which is not a thing I would have thought coming into this. But if he had, if he's choosing to, it's it's really hard to walk out of MMA in a good place. That's about as good of a retirement as you can really hope for. But I think Luke is. I think he's going to come back because he's done this before, and he's going to go back and he's a little heartbroken. He's really sad about what happened, but then he's going to realize I haven't fought in three years. And I just took a former title challenger, you know, one of the top 10 guys in the world. We went hammer and tongs. And I, I maybe I tried really hard, but I wasn't there. But I have I have things to do. Like, I, I still have more to give. And I just think his, his for lack of a better word, I think his ego is going to catch him up and he's going to come back in at some point. I'll talk more about how I feel about the situation tomorrow on on to the next one, because I think it's like 95% that he's done, but the 5% that I'm feeling could actually happen. And 95% in MMA retirement, you're going to say 95%. I feel 
I feel pretty strongly unless this 5% comes through. And this number could probably be higher for me, but I actually think that this 5%, you can make a compelling case that this 5% grows. Uh, but more on that, 11 a.m. Eastern, on to the next one tomorrow. Oh, no, I'm excited uh, we discussed. Yes, we discussed matchmaking and what could be for both guys. And I thought we were going to talk a little bit more about Paul Acosta's future, but apparently he doesn't even understand his future at this point because coming into the fight, we thought that was the last fight on his deal. Post-fight press conference, he said, I'm not really sure if it's the last fight on my deal, but if, if it is, maybe I'll go box Jake Paul, but it might not be. So we'll we'll sit down and figure it out. So we're a little unsure of Paul Acosta's future at this moment. Paulo, leave. If it's, if it's the last fight on your deal, leave. Go to the PFL, my guy. Just do it. And you happen to be wearing a PFL shirt, so perfect. Sure, uh, sure you did. You sure are. You did boo when I mentioned the featured bout. Yeah, Rob Dwalishvili. <laughs> Rob Dwalishvili oh, defeats shit. Jose Aldo. You are not a fan of this decision. Um, I'm not a fan of the decision. It it's not bad. I am in no way crying robbery. Officially, MMAfighting.com scored that fight for Jose Aldo because I scored the fight for Jose Aldo. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm not a fan of everything that happened. Right, like. If you believe Marab Dodge really won that fight, I don't have any issues with it. Uh, certainly, if that was a five-round fight, Marab would have convincingly won that fight. But the entire premise of this fight was objectively stupid to start with. Jose Aldo had a good three-fight winning streak over, I don't know, you guys ever heard of Cheeto Vera? He's doing pretty hot shit stuff right now. And Aldo... Aldo stunned it on him. Like he he beat a lot of very good guys in this division, deserved to have a title fight against Aljamain Sterling. And they gave it to TJ Dillashaw because reasons. I, I don't know. Uh instead he had to fight Marab. And I am not saying that Marab Valashili is a bad fighter because he's very, very clearly not. I'm very highly ranked in my personal rankings. I am saying he he did not fight that fight to win that fight. He fought that fight to to take judges' scorecards. And I am also not saying that Jose Aldo fought the best fight of his life. But at various points in time, he was at least trying to hurt Marab. And I never at any point got the opinion that Marab was trying to hurt Jose. Uh, the first round, the judge who scored at 30-27, uh, Terrible. He, should put, he should be put up against the post and shot. Um that's awful. Uh, like you, you just shouldn't score the first round. I mean, the judging was horrific uh, tonight. Just really bad in a lot of spots. That was a really bad scorecard. Um, I, I expected Marab to win uh, to get to uh, the second and third round. I, I'll have to rewatch it. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought this. I gave the second round to Jose because he actually punched Marab some and kicked him a few times. And my issue with the fight is you could see when it happened. Like you could see after round one, Marab realized I can just spam takedowns and I won't get any of them because I, I ain't that dude and Jose is, but I can just wall install him and that's fine because I'm going to win, win the cards. And I would love to look at the stats. I know Casey hates stats. Uh, I can't imagine a bunch of significant strikes were landed either way, but 
the third round, like the third round is a round that I is like told like that is a Marab round, but that's how you're supposed to do that. If you watch the difference between rounds two and three, Marab does nothing sub- substantively offensive in round two. He just grabs a leg, pushes Aldo to the fence, and holds on until Aldo can break it off. And in the third round, he actually starts putting punches together. He he hits him a lot. Like he's he is effectuating actual offense instead of wall installing. And so if he he could have done that earlier, he just didn't. And so that's why I scored the round for Aldo. And uh, again, a lot of it is I just hand up. It's being butthurt that Aldo's in this position to lose this stupid fight in this very stupid, unappealing way. Like if if you're gonna beat Jose, Max Holloway it. Like do something dope. Don't don't do that. Like that was just super damn lame. So I mean, it is what it is. Jose Aldo's greatest featherweight of all time, top five fighter of all time. Um, I I will, though, get on my soapbox and say, we gave Jose a title fight after he quote-unquote lost to Marlon Rice. Do it again. Shit, if I care, do it again. Run it back. So the official stats, overall, Marab outlands Jose Aldo's significant strikes, 58 to 58-3. 57 to 38 overall strikes 135 to 59 0 for 16 for takedowns round one uh aldo landed 15 of 25 significant strikes Uh, yep marab landed 16 of 49 but i definitely thought aldo landed them way more impactful shots way way better and the same in the second round i'm looking at it right now they both landed round two 11 to 11 and then for six and a bunch of control time like i and I guess that's the crux of this here. It is less an issue with the scoring, though I still think by the rules stated, Aldo should have won the second round. I don't give a shit about control time, and no one should. Like, I know that that is officially a third layer of scoring or whatever, but we shouldn't. It is, I have a fundamentally huge issue with the way we score fights and a lot. And like, who gives a shit? Like genuinely who cares who is controlling a fight has no one. If you're not damaging or effectuating real offense, it's none of it matters. Like I think we should be way more comfortable with being like, yeah, that round's a draw. Cause neither of you hurt the other dude or tried to hurt the other dude. Like I'm cool with that. Uh, it's never going to happen, but like it's re- that's a hard pill to swallow that Marab won that round by holding a leg and holding a dude up against defense. And credit to him, he could do it and Jose couldn't stop it. But I don't think that – I don't believe that that is, should be valued in the way it is valued at this stage. Yeah, 30-27 is a – Terrible scorecard. Score terrible scorecard. Uh, good win for Lucy Pudalova. Wasn't the worst of the evening, though. <laughs> no, we're going to get to that. Uh, good win for Lucy Pudalova. Tyson Pedro, non shocking result. Huh? Yeah, great win. She great win. Fantastic. She looked really, really good. The worst scorecards of the night came in the feature oh, yeah. prelim between Marcin Tybora and Alexander Romanov. Jed, no, I don't think anybody in MA media has been higher on Alexander Romanov than the two of us. I ain't no more. I have him, I had him, yeah, I had him ranked higher than anybody in our MMA fighting goal did rankings, really? great rankings. I did, I had him eight, and I think you had him nine. I had him one spot above oh. you. Um, and I even wrote my predictions this morning that released we were both this morning that... Yeah, that Romanov was just going to truck Marcin Tybora. He was going to win a 10-8 first round, and then he was going to sub him in the second. And that in the well, next 18 to 24 that. months, 
He did. And then in the next 18, 24 months, he's going to fight for the title. Don't think that's going to happen right now. However, only one judge scored that first round 10-8 for Alexander Romanov. And to me, even though I thought 30-27 Marab was a horrific scorecard, not giving Romanov a 10-8 in that first round is pure. It's just absolute, absolutely egregious. What else do you have to do to get a 10-8? Besides, I mean, he got trucked in that round and didn't land one strike. Not one strike did he land in that first round. He basically got perfect gamed, and that's a 10-9. I just don't understand it. I mean, but I will say this, and I'm sure you agree with me on this. Romanov deserved to lose the fight. Like, he definitely deserved to lose. You've been reading my tweets, because, yes, I tweeted that right after, where I was just like... uh, Officially, this is a horrific decision. It very obviously should be a draw. Spiritually, Romanov, you know, spirit of the law, Romanov deserves to lose. Not because, just to be clear, not because Marcin Tabura beat his ass or whatever, because uh, he really didn't, but just because you you should be punished if you're awful. And boy, howdy. I don't – I – I am very disparaging to fighters all the time. Everyone watching this should be aware of this by now. Um, some of it's tongue-in-cheek. Tongue most of it's just me talking because it's stuff I believe. But I mostly try not to like be really – I know I try not to do exactly what I'm about to do, which is it is entirely inexcusable to have five minutes of cardio when you are winning and not like barely winning. Like he just sat on him. I know he did two big lifts – Boom. That's tough. I have thrown bags over my shoulder. It's very difficult. But I can throw two of them and then sit on top of a bag for five minutes and I won't be gassed. You are a professional athlete and a fighter, ostensibly a pretty good one. And he had he was gassed after five minutes, all of which he was in controlling position and just mostly leaning on Tybura. That is... I won't say it's the most inexcusable part of the night, but maybe it is. But I mean, a lot of people did some really, it was a bad night in a lot of ways. Like some of the, ju- some of the refereeing was terrible. Some of the judging was terrible. Uh, among the worst fight IQ I've ever seen occurred on this, <laughs> this fight card, but Ro- Romanov being unable to get the fight he wanted and just be like, I'm done. I had a good four minutes in me as it, I got nothing else. Like that is, inexcusable and so strictly because of that he kind of like he deserves to lose spiritually because you can't do that as a professional fist fighter it's not real yeah not a not a great showing but tybora gets the win jared gordon got a win luis saldana speaking of not quite fight iq and making mistakes oh also uh i just so we're clear i want to make sure i've got this right Somebody scored – this is the worst scorecard of the evening because somebody scored w- the first round for Woodson, 10-8. I'm almost certain that, that is true. I am. Uh, let me pull up MMA decisions, but I am almost certain that somebody scored the first round of that because of the point deduction. No, no, no. Okay. I thought I saw that somewhere. No, yeah, yeah it's 9-9. That would really, really terrible. Uh, that's what I thought we, we had going. Uh Still don't love these scores. All right, I got it. I got it right now. Yeah, nine 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 nine. Yeah, I thought nine, I saw on so Twitter they, that yeah. someone someone said he because it was like because it was a split draw and seemed very odd to me. 
But yeah, yeah so I Donna, scored it. I, 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 yeah, I scored it almost the same that Richmond Montana's did. I thought, I mean, I thought Saldana won all three rounds for sure. Um, he shouldn't have lost two of them. Yeah, that's for damn sure. So yeah. that's a bad card. Also, Derek Cleary, uh, shame on you. I'd like to be extremely clear. He should have should have won the first round 9-8. Like pretty obvious. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think 29-26 is how I scored it for Saldana. Absolutely shameful that he didn't win the first round 9-8. Like that is – because I can see – I can't. Okay, I fundamentally disagree with not giving Romanov. And I think the rules agree you're supposed to give Romanov a 10-8. But you can at least – if you're being a, a real dipshit judge, you can read the rules in such a way that Romanov did not do enough damage despite holding the position that, uh, because the way it's worded, if they do X, like X amount of damage, you are compelled. You must award a 10, eight is the way the language is. But if they just have dominance in control and duration, you may award. So if you're being just the worst kind of human being that's judging a fight, I can at there's at least a justification to not give Romanov a 10-8. Uh, but there's like by the letter of the law, there is no world in which Saldana doesn't get a ten like a nine-eight in that fight. Like he very clearly did X amount of damage that compels you to give him a score of nine-eight. So I think that's a, I think that is the worst card of the evening. Bad judging. Also some bad refereeing in my eyes. Because oh, I think Saldana should have lost two points for that knee. Because that was like a near concussive, like fight-changing illegal shot. Yeah. Like I would have had no issue if two points were taken away on that one. I, and I would have I, I would have been actually okay with that. I would have applauded that. But that didn't happen, I, and here we are. I agree. Also, spiritually, I we should just allow you to knee people in the head because it's really stupid that we don't. Yeah, but and just I grab agree. the fence. The, the rules yeah, are the rules. Just, he should have been deducted two points. Poke him in the eye, kick him in the ding ding, grab the fence, grab the gloves. Really no one's gonna stop you. It is such no a one's good gonna move. stop you. Angelosa, good win. Amir Albazi, man's gonna be a problem at 125. Good win for Richie Lang. It was a fun fight with Jay Perrin. Uh, and Victor Altamirano kicks night kicks the night off with violence and gets himself 50 G's. Uh, along with Leon Edwards and Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold for the fight of the night. One last thing I want to say before we go to the peeps. Um, we mentioned Bilal Muhammad or Hamza might have been the biggest losers when it comes to the main event and how it played out. I think the biggest winner of the night outside of that with one of these three big fights was Cheeto Vera. I think Cheeto Vera is now driving the the truck right now in this little Bantamweight Grand Prix He's definitely ahead of Marab in this conversation. Like Marab is is out of it's not out of it, but he's he's Cheeto's way ahead of him right now. And then it all depends on like if Piotr Jan beats Sean O'Malley, Cheeto's probably getting in, in Sterling wins. Cheeto's probably getting the title shot. But that's at least the way I see it. Maybe I there's a world where if Sterling wins, he does, because he's talked about vacating and moving up. He does that. And then they do Marab versus Piotr Jan and Cheeto has to fight. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe you do the Aldo rematch. So they probably do Aldo Cruz at this juncture. Uh, he, he certainly gained. I don't know how much a lot of it will depend on uh 280 and, and what goes down there. Cause it will all be entirely moot if Sean O'Malley wins. If Sean O'Malley finds a way to beat Piotr sure. Jan, 
nothing matters. That's, he's fighting for the belt. Yep. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, let's go to the piece. Let's take a few questions. Let's do it. Here's Casey back in our Hi. lives. Hi. I look, look at look at the two greatest judges right here, you and me, Jed. I know we nailed it, and I will because I'm sure somebody in the comments is calling me a homer. Yep, damn sure, don't care. Stand <laughs> you know, by it. The, the fight reminded me of um, the Marab uh, fight round two, especially of Kellen Vieira versus Holly Holm. Um, I scored that fight Ooh, by Holly Holm. I scored that fight by Holly Holm because I thought. Yeah, might have to. And I and I thought, I thought at the moment is like, well, she's holding against the cage, and she kept kneeing her in the legs. That's what Marab was doing. But then everyone's like, no, no, significant strikes were for damaging strikes were for um, Biera. I was like, okay, I'm wrong. Then I see this fight, and I'm go, oh, okay, this is the same fight. It's Auto that's doing the damage. But I don't know. I, I was kind of shocked when I saw the media scores. I thought it would be a lot. I thought I, I was kind of shocked that we were the only ones that had Auto winning round two, but. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. surprised by that as well. Yeah, here we are. Because yeah, ex- nah, yeah, I know. Here we are. But all right, do do. Oh, interesting. Um, more of a comment, but a little bad streak for Trevor Whitman. That's tough. Yep, especially because that one was looking like it was good for him. Yeah. So yep. um, Rose, Justin, and um, um who's on? Yeah. So um, yeah, he just. Um, yeah, coaches, camps, they have their ups and downs, you know, just, that's just how sport goes. Yep. That's why MMA rules. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh, oh, we didn't get to mention this and I'm just going to get on my soapbox right now. Oh. Uh, Mike, what do I say all the time about the hardest thing to do in MMA? Mm. Successfully defend your titles over and over again. Yeah. It's really, really damn difficult because you can't ever slip up. You get everybody's best shot every time. And you get a guy like Leon Edwards, who's a hard-ass mother effer, who has spent his entire life climbing it out of the out of the ditch. And he has been looked over and bypassed and run down. I've done a lot of it and I don't regret a single <laughs> bit of it that I did. Just Most so of we're it from clear. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't regret a single thing I said, but you get a dude like that who is very good and very talented and it takes one slip up, one second, and he is going to do everything he can because this is his entire life. And so it doesn't matter if you're fighting, you know, if you're George St. Pierre and you're fighting Dan freaking Hardy, it just happens. And so please, I am begging you all. I know that the UFC has one way to promote two ways, either it's bad blood or he's the greatest fighter that's ever lived. But six is not as many as nine. I'm sorry, five, because he didn't successfully defend this one. And it's, that is not a knock on Kamaru Usman. It is impossible to have five title defenses. 
It is unbelievable that he did that. But please, he wasn't close to George St. Pierre in the GOAT talk. He was the second best welterweight of all time and a top 10 all-time fighter. And that is an unbelievable accomplishment. But we don't have to pretend that he has surpassed GSP because we want to be part of we want to be part of history. And that's what it is. It is a compulsion on us to be this thing now in front of us. This is ours and it's the greatest it's ever been. Because if Usman had gone out here and won that and he was damn very close to it, he's still not GSP. But if he goes out and continues winning, then he can be. And then it's justified and it's real and it's not a fabrication. So please, I am begging everyone, respect the fighters who have put in the work time and again. Because if Leon gets two title defenses, he's not better than Kamar Usman. I don't give a shit that he just knocked Kamar Usman out. He is historically not better than him. Even if he wins the rematch and defends against Jorge and Covington, he's just not better than what Usman did. Max it is Holloway. Okay. Max Holloway Max is not, better, not than, better than Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo. He beat him. Uh, yeah. I was, yeah. was going to use that as a shot at the end. Exactly. It's it. And it's there's nothing wrong with you being the second greatest person all time in the history of a thing. That's, in fact, incredible. And we should all be like, holy shit. That's unbelievable. <laughs> but instead, we're just like, he might be the greatest. I don't know. He wasn't. I mean, this is why. Because you're off nights – or not even an off night. Usman off. was very much on. And it's he off, just it was really his off second. And that's all yeah, it takes. Off second. Because this sport is insane and chaos reigns forever. And I just want people to stop and think about that a lot more because people get way too excited about that and about winning multiple belts. And that's cool. But like nobody appreciates Demetrius Johnson enough. I, I genuinely don't. I'm glad I genuinely do not believe we will see a person do what Demetrius Johnson did. And I know people want to run that down like flyweight sucked. Actually, no, all of those wins are mostly really damn good wins. Uh, and I think there's a very real chance that in my lifetime of following the sport, we never see someone put that together because it was fu- it was impossible. What he did was impossible. What George St. Pierre did yep. was impossible. What Kamar Usman did was impossible, but it just wasn't as impossible as what George did. He wasn't there yet. So I'm off my soapbox now, but no, no, that's, 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 that's awesome. There's only, there's only one fighter in the sport who has any chance of beating that record, and it's Valentina Shevchenko. I don't think anybody else, I I, I think she's the only one who has a chance, and and I don't even think that 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 will happen because we just saw how difficult this is. Yeah. So 100%. 100%. Like, I think outside of Valentina, the most act, the, the current active leader is now Israel Adesanya, who is five, and he's got a tough task with Alex Pereira coming up. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see what yeah, happens. Just, Let's go to the peeps. We'll take a couple yeah. questions. Oh, but before we go to the peeps, oh, real quick to Jed, um, before the fight, you were mentioning a lot, and, and I agreed with it. You know, you were like, um, Leon Edwards has to have the perfect fight to win. Usman doesn't have to have the perfect fight. Genuinely we, thought he did. I was super wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. That, that's just, just the sport. And like, that's it. And Usman did, I mean, clearly Edwards did not have the perfect fight. Actually, Edwards had probably a kind of a crappy fight. And yet he somehow I he won. fought really badly, actually. Yeah. Not that he fought badly. I thought he fought. Wasn't I the am best. not. Yeah. I am not uh, uh, an MMA coach or whatever, but like. And maybe this is way too simplistic, and that's totally fair. And if it is, hand up. Like I'm, I'm a dude talking out of his ass on camera, whatever. 
But like to me, I wrote about this in the thing, like the most important thing Usman Usman had to do a couple of things. Like he needed to not get wrestled. He needed to have a plan to work the jab. The most important thing he needed to do was he needed to win the footwork battle. He needed to be the one coming forward because he's not that good fighting. Like he's fine, but he's not a great fighter off the back foot. And nobody in MMA is good at fighting off their back foot. Like there are three, maybe four fighters who are legitimately talented people working backwards. Everybody is just worse at it. Kamar Usman especially. And if you go and watch the Colby Covington fight, he wins that fight in the first three rounds. He is always coming forward. He starts backing up in the latter two rounds, and Colby's, Colby starts winning the fight. Like that's just – he is not as good working the counter and working off the back foot. And the every second that Leon did take the center and did push the action, he had way more success. Ultimately – Kicking Usman in the face. Uh, it's just, I thought he should have been doing that the whole time. His corner was begging him to do it, but he he really, really struggled with it. And I, Mike, you said at the start of this that starting round or at the end of round four, nobody thought Leon was winning. I thought Leon was screwed at the end of round two because the takedown started coming and it, he he was just immediately getting his back to the fence, like instantaneously just conceding. I was like, he can't win here. He doesn't have the shot to do it off the back foot. But then he didn't. So I thought he fought really poorly, actually. And yeah. it didn't matter. I was super wrong on that because I thought he had to be perfect. He fought poorly, but he just took advantage of the moment. And yep. I'd like to point out the just the similarities, the kind of the funny similarities to this fight and – Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. It was very funny. And ba- I, I was watch- I've, no, I've watched a clip of Usman getting knocked out many times, but what actually was more important than the clip of him getting knocked out, there was nothing happening for about 20 seconds before that. They were both mm-hmm. kind of just standing there looking at each other for about 20 seconds. Nothing happens. And then, boop, knockout. And that's a lot. I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but that's what how Nate, we, we kind of, we, we were kind of beginning, going into this fight, we're like, ah, oh, Leon just has these lapses, but it was Usman that had a lapse. Usman that had the lapse. It was just he had a lapse early and a lapse late. Yeah, and the, the lapse early, it was like okay, he. Recovered. I'm not even sure. I, I yeah, I think that was less of a like lapse than he just genuinely did not expect it. Well, I don't think he was like brain farting. It was just like that. Why exactly. you would try and take me down? What? And then suddenly he was mounted. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, it was just. It's just it's wild. I'm also, yeah. <laughs> I'm really I'm really glad Leon got to do that in the first because I think it substantively changes the narrative of this fight. Like we're still gonna get some lucky shot stuff coming out of this anyway, but because Leon won the first round and did that, I think that narrative is really diminished, which is always makes me happy because I think lucky shot is a stupid narrative. I don't wanna have it. All right, you can pull up a question, but let me ask you this real quick, Jed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who are you picking in the re- who are you picking the rematch right now? Leon. Leon. Okay. Uh I I picked Leon in this one, and granted the fight did not look really anything like I thought it would. Uh but I don't have the stats in front of me. I am going to assume that the statistics for uh younger fighters who win the rematch going into the trilogy is because the fighters who win the rematch going into the trilogy is already vastly weighted towards that. We've seen a couple notable notable exceptions to that uh, recently. Amanda Nunes, um, Davis Figueredo, but 
I'm just going to assume that when you also factor in the younger guy, that that number still moves really heavily towards the guy who won the rematch. And so, uh, but I say it's, I'm really interested because how does Usman react to getting knocked out like that? Uh, uh, Leon will come into that knowing I didn't do enough. Like I, I got the win, but I was really close to not. So he'll be super, super geared up for it. I think it's a really fascinating trilogy fight. And we have really, to assume that really we, is. we have to assume the fight will be at sea level ish too, and that's mm-hmm. going to it's going to be in the UK. It's yeah. going to hundred percent be in the UK. You have to do it there. I mean, sure hope you do. And yeah, it's mal- it's it's promotional malpractice if it is not in London. Ooh, I love this question because it's one of two. Yeah, it's Cha- it's that or Anderson versus Chael, right? I guess that's okay. One of three. I, for whatever reason, blanked on that one. Um, it's it's that uh, Anderson Chael, which is still probably the number one. Yeah, I agree um, with that. That's probably number one, actually. Uh, and then this or uh, the Misha Tate fight. Misha and Holly. Yeah, that's good one. Misha, Misha uh, getting uh, the belt was. I was thinking that fight was over, and then she got takedown, took the back, choked her. All, actually, very similar in the way the fight played out versus Leon, but for how the ending was. Yeah. Uh, it was tied. It was tied heading into the fifth round, wasn't it? I don't fight? remember it being tied. I remember Misha won one round because she got a takedown, and I thought Holly was it, beating it was the a hell. 10-8, it, it was a 10-8, though, wasn't it? It could oh. have been. A, I, don't, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if they had really scorecards, but like the, I remember Misha had that choke to the end of the round. But my, but yeah. even be, even my before, recollection is that Misha won one round and, and Holly and Holly was mm-hmm. winning that fifth round till she Holly was winning the fifth yeah. round until just, she just got like tonight's fight just like ball. it wasn't like Leon was dominating the fifth round and finished it Leon was about to lose that fifth round again mm-hmm. um, biggest biggest comeback UFC history high stakes it's at least for KO finishes in the fifth round yeah I would say without it out I mean you obviously have like. The Pat Barry's Chet Congo type, but it's just the stakes weren't as high, obviously. And this was just, yeah, yeah. All three, all three judges gave Misha Tate a ten eight in the second. She did get a ten eight. She lost the other three, and Holly was winning the fifth winning, until winning the fifth. yeah until she got taken down and choked out. So, yep. But had she not gotten the finish, probably still would have been. A, I mean, it would have been a draw. Yeah. Yeah, well, I um, guess maybe they maybe they give her another ten eight, and then it's then that would have been wild shit. But yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah, that'd have been crazy. Um, I can't believe they never they never rematched, right? Nope. Yeah. No, but they should. That'd be yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know who else never rematched? Luke Rockhold and Chris Weidman. Yeah, I thought I'd, love to, I'd, I'd love to watch them fight again. That fight would actually. I think the timing of that could work. I that's I think that that fight just makes a lot of sense and yeah. would be fine. It's Luke acquitted himself well. Yeah, two and just yeah, and two just two old guys. This is yeah, two old yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just I just saw lots of compliments for Luke actually in the comments on Twitter and everything. I think that fifth round really kind of saved in the fifth round and his post fight interview almost kind of saved. Rocco's legacy, you know, and unbelievable was, post fight interview. Yeah, I'm, a couple yeah. of really good ones. Leon's was some yeah. moving shit. So great um, stuff. Good job, UFC, getting those, doing those um, interviews. Uh, oh, does this shocking win make the welterweight division more fun now? I mean, if he gets another one, then I, I don't know. Well, 
I mean, it makes it, it inter- makes it more interesting for sure. Ooh, well, it does make it more interesting. I mean, the division's always been fun. There's an argument that Leon Edwards being your champion by definition makes the division less fun. Um, <laughs> because I know we just authored one of the greatest com- KOs in the history of the sport. But, like, again, I don't think we can stress enough that that's so out of character. <laughs> like, Leon Edwards has, I think, two KOs in the UFC and one was his debut. <laughs> it's... It's just so, so, yeah, Seth Machinsky. It wasn't his debut because he lost his <laughs> debut. Seth Machinsky in 2015. Oh, I guess he, he TKO'd Peter Sabata, but I guess it's just yeah, not I, a thing he does. Also, it's Peter Sabata. It's not <laughs> so, It's so unbelievable that this happened. Uh, yeah. But, like, he also went to a not-that-interesting decision with Nate friggin' Diaz. Like, it's... But we're getting this fight first, and that fight's going to be awesome. So it probably makes it more exciting. But the real cynical view is that it makes it lamer. <laughs> yeah. The the build to this fight, like, aged really well. It just got more interesting the closer we got to the actual fight. Four rounds into it, it got a lot less interesting, and then it ended the way that it did. Yeah. But now the rematch is going to oh. be super interesting because – Leon clearly wasn't at his best. I believe him when he says that the altitude like did make him tired, but it like kind of made his body feel a little funny. And mm-hmm. Usman's gonna Usman's gonna learn a lot from this loss too. So adjustments will be made. It will not be the same fight this time around. And I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. I I I really get that. Like Leon said, I wasn't tired. I just couldn't do things. Cause like there's literally less oxygen getting to your brain. Yeah. It's like it's just like I just, you just and Usman, Usman was good to go. Yeah, Usman was good training, to go. Doesn't he train in Denver? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was just higher elevation. Yeah. I again not not a rocket doctor, or whatever. And I'm sure that sleeping in an elevate, like sleeping in a hyperbaric, whatever, like I'm sure that that helps. But they always say that like that's like that's the thing. He is like okay, cool. He's not training in one so unless i was punching you while you're sleeping (laughs) like i it has always baffled me because i know that it is expensive but like replicate fight conditions (laughs) just because sure you sleeping in the tent or whatever is better than you not sleeping in the tent but you know what's better than that like training the way you're gonna fight in the conditions you're gonna fight like that's why Fabrice Overdue went to Mexico City yeah, like two months lived, beforehand he, yeah. and beat the hell out of Velasquez almost exclusively because he just did the smart thing. Like, just do the smart thing, man. Do the smart thing. I, I remember basically Kane just kind of roundabout said at the time, I just didn't want to spend the money. Yeah. To send, bring my and there was, there was it was just impossible too because at the time AKA was was very successful mm-hmm. and he just he just couldn't afford to bring every coach just coach down yeah. in mexico city just it just it was just no way for him to do it or pay these coaches enough but um yeah it's really yeah. difficult it's very inconvenient but like if you're leon edwards and you know for a fact that kamar usman is training at elevation you getting a tent that lowers your oxygen intake just ain't doing shit man like you gotta you're, you're just sleeping badly this, this <laughs> is your yeah this is your one shot at the title and it worked out for him i'm glad i'm glad it did because great right. I, it, it's really fun that he won the belt but yeah 
I just, they always say that like, that's, oh, he's good. He's sleeping. He's sleeping in it. Cool. Is he running in it? Is he fist fighting people <laughs> yes. in it? Because those are very different things. <laughs> I'm not spending a lot of energy when I sleep. So I don't know. He just takes a nap and some random sparring partner just comes and takes him down. Like, oh. <laughs> um, I, I lost the question. I don't know where it was on here, but uh, I'll just ask what they said. Who's pound for pound number one now? The same um, guy who was pound for one. I mean, I know, Jed, you have a different guy than I, I have. I have a different one than everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Well, I, I, who, Volk, who's the I UFC going to say one. pound for pound? Who's the UFC oh, going to say? They're going to say Volkanovski. They're going to say Volkanovski. It's going to be yeah, Volkanovski. Volk for I assume he's number two in their rankings. Um, I could be wrong. Pull it up. Oh, he is number two. Uh, yeah, they're going to move him to number one. Uh, yeah, it's Israel. One. It's Israel Adesanya. Um, sorry, I have I still have Izzy. I have Izzy. I had Izzy coming into this fight. I still have Izzy, but uh, I it's, just, I'm just... if if Usman had won, I actually think he would have passed Izzy. Um, but it's the same thing. I on my soapbox, I volkanovsky may be the best fighter in the world if you're just looking at skills etc but that's that's is he has beaten more people in his division that are very good than volk mm-hmm. has volk's beaten max holloway three times which is great super incredible accomplishment he beat max holloway and brian ortega and korean zombie and your mileage varies on how truly impressive that is israel's beaten literally everyone in the top five of his division except for alex pejeta who just moved into the top five of his division I think he's clearly the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Before we head out, um, actually, I want to ask Mike something. Coming into this fight, you mentioned uh, you said there was so much pressure on Usman. If he loses this, he loses everything. You know, he loses you know, going to two hundred five. He loses all this. You know, all that stuff. Do you still believe that's true? Yes. You know, you know, because what I'm saying? I, think, I, I, I yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, but it's. Because and this is this is the this is the whole thing about it, which I agree with everything Jed said about the whole GSP thing. Like it was way too soon to be talking about that. But you can make a you can have a tremendous Hall of Fame career being the number two welterweight of all time, and a top he still had a long way to go. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, it's incredible. Undeniably a top ten all time fighter. Yeah. Pound right. for pound, all but, time. GSP is right. number but, one. He's number one. Like, that's just it. That's the answer. Yes. But I just, I don't know. It's just to me that there were certain narratives that were that were put on this man that it was probably too soon for it. And, you know, pressure mounts and stuff like that. You're talking about going to 205 and boxing Canelo and all those things. And that's cool. Like, you have goals and you have aspirations. I don't think he was, like, overlooking Leon Edwards at all. Yeah, I think so. But for the things he was saying that – you know, I want to be the best to ever do it. I want to be the greatest of all time. I want to do this. I want to do that. Like, I think a lot of that is gone right now. Now he could go out there and just do it. That's a question wreck. I wonder, actually. Yeah. Right. He could go out there and just wreck Leon Edwards in the next mm-hmm. fight. Like one of the, like a Volkanovsky Korean zombie type of performance or a Volkanovsky Max Holloway. Well, even even GSP Sarah too. How about GSP Sarah too? You know, you, you yeah, almost I don't, you forget, I don't, you forget the first one. The first one you compare the two, though. Two, which I think is like no disrespect to Volkanovsky's absolute dismantling of Korean Zombie. GSP Sarah 2 is, I think, the single biggest ass kicking I've ever seen in a professional fist fight. Like, that was an exorcism. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 coming, coming off someone that just kicked your ass. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. That was an exorcism. But, so if he right, does that in this rematch, whoo, buddy. <laughs> that's, right. But I don't. 
like I said, I compared. I didn't compare this fight to Pena Nunez. I didn't compare this fight to Sarah GSP. Oh, yeah. I compared this to no. Weidman Anderson Silva. That's how I how I compared it. Like I think that's a more apt comparison. Like this isn't this is an upset by betting line terminology and just where Usman was and where Leon was and how people viewed both guys at the time. But this was not like like I like I said all week. So many people thought Leon was going to win. Like it was amazing. How I, I, many I picked people Leon. We, I Leon he, was going to win. No, we, yeah. we didn't pick this way, but we did pick me and Jay yeah. did pick Leon. The yeah. result, yeah, the results and how it all played out is stunning. But him leaving Salt Lake City with the welterweight champion is not that surprising. When Matt Sarah beat GSP, no one saw that coming. When Julian Pena beat Amanda Nunes, only one person saw that coming. <laughs> Nobody else did. Nobody else did. So I don't think. Like, while you can play the fluke card, which I don't like that mm. card being played at all, but if you want to play the fluke card with Juliana Pena and you want to play the fluke card with uh, Matt Serra, I don't think you could play it here. Like, you, there will be people who will play it, but not as many as those two fights. So I, I do think Usman takes a hit. This, this, this rematch, whenever it happens next year in the UK, Usman doesn't just have to win. He has to blow the doors off this man if he wants to get some of that juice back. It, that, yeah. At least that's what I think. M- much at like Nunes had to do the Pena in the, in the rematch, just blow the doors off her. Like, I think if what, he wins convincingly, it's okay. Because okay, I'm not going to knock I knock him huge for the loss. If he comes back and wins convincingly, maybe doesn't get a stoppage. But, you know, he wins a 49-46 like he was on his way to doing. Uh, I think that that's – it doesn't get him all the way back – but it it puts him back yeah. in into top three um, top three ish pound for pound fighter range and again Kamal yeah, Usman yeah, exactly. could end up being the greatest welterweight of all time. I would not bet on it, but I wouldn't have bet on it for years. I, like it's because it's just really hard to do. But yeah, this doesn't ruin his campaign. It it is definitely a, a setback. I have a question for you guys though. I don't think this is going to happen, but I just thought of it, and it would be way way better. <laughs> I think the funniest and best outcome is what if Usman's just like, you know what? No, I'm good. I, I've I've done the welterweight thing. I'm just going to go to ha- 205 anyways. Yes, yeah, Leon can have it. Uh, I'd like to go fight the winner of Yuri Prahashka Glover Teixeira because that would be the best. I, I'm really rooting for that. I don't think it'll if happen. He, if he comes out and does his first interview, which will probably be with like ESPN or something, if he comes out and that's like the first thing he says, that would be awesome. That'd just be amazing. Just like and Leon, Jorge Masvidal is getting a friggin' title shot. Yeah, it's just like I have a lot of respect for Leon. He really wants to fight Jorge, and that's cool. Like I understand why. Let him do it. Let Leon get the bag. He earned it. He kicked my ass. Good for him. I still all the stuff I said before. I want the respect. I still want that respect. So I'd like to go fist fight Yuri Prohashka. That would be awesome. Do yeah. that. I don't think he loses. I don't think he's going to lose respect for this. I just think, I think it's a giant step back for the all-time greats, like the Canelo's talk, the two hundred five. Like maybe, maybe he just will say, "Screw it, I'm bored. I want to go to two hundred five. But I don't think, I don't think he's getting right into a title fight. Like if he had won this fight and he just said, "Nah, I'm not going to fight Hamza. I'm going to go fight." for the light heavyweight title, I think the UFC would have let him do it. Like Dana was hesitant and been like, if I was his, I'm just his promoter. If I was his manager or whatever, I would tell him not to do it. But if he wants to do it, I'm going to let him do it. But I think he, that's off the table for, for now, unless he just is like, I'm never fighting for the welterweight title. Yeah. And these are the things I'm talking about. Like, I don't mean like 
his entire legacy is crushed, but him going up to 205 and fighting for a second title, all that stuff goes away. You think they remove him from Black Panther? Like we no, don't want no, no, no. Let's no. get Leon. No, in he'll here. probably we don't want he'll you. probably get more he'll probably get more movie roles. He'll probably get more movie roles. You know what I mean? Like look Kamara is a very talented dude. He's a very well spoken yeah. guy. Like I think he's he's got he's a great color commentator too. Really yeah, we good. We talked about a lot. He's very good on the mic in that regard. Very good on the mic. He's got a bright few he doesn't need to fight anymore if he doesn't want to. He's a competitive son of a gun, so he will. And he I I don't think it would be hilarious if that happened. You just said, nah, I'll go to 205. I don't awesome. care what anybody says. I'm just going. It would be hilarious. Yeah. But there's no way Usman's not like pissed off and like already thinking about fighting Leon Edwards again. So, yeah. Does, do, do, could we see Leon Edwards being a great long-running champion? Or is this just a guy that wins? A guy, a guy that's – I don't know what I'm trying to say. But is – but. <sighs> I don't know, man. He matches. It's he's he's a really good fighter, and I think he's a really good matchup for Usman in a lot of ways. And I think that's why a lot of people thought he had a chance to win. Like the fight through four and a half rounds is exactly the way I thought it was going to go. I thought he was just going to wrestle him. Like Leon would have his moments, but like we're going to see a forty nine forty six for Usman. Like what? Read my prediction. It's exactly how I laid it out. Yeah, it, um, the fight was going very much how you thought it was going to go, actually, until that asked. But style. Yeah. But stylistically, I think Shamayev is a horrendous matchup for Leon. I think Colby's a horrendous matchup for Leon. I think he'll probably yeah, beat Mazadal, but even but even with like the emotions there, like I think he'll beat Mazadal. Like there's there's just tough match. There's just a lot of like really rough stylistic matchups for him. But who knows? Maybe maybe he catches. Maybe this is like the beginning of him just ca- like, and it's hard to say when you have an eleven fight unbeaten streak that maybe now he'll catch yeah, lightning in maybe, a bottle. Yeah. But, but who knows? Maybe he'll just go and blow the doors off Camaro, and like his confidence is just at this all new level after the second fight. And who knows? I don't think he's going to get five to six title defenses oh, with no. Shamayev and some of those other guys. But yeah, I could see him beating yeah. Usman again and maybe Dude, getting Brady. Yeah, we have Shavkat coming up. Yeah, Shavkat. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's it's he just, could get one there's or a lot two. of just tough matchups for him. Yeah. He's gonna be like Benson Henderson. Champion, had a couple of defenses. Most of them are robberies, but like, you know, very solid guy, undeniably a top five fighter in the division. And I call him a justified champion because Benson probably shouldn't have ever been one, but you know. He had good, he had some gun wits. He, he will be wins. a good yeah, but he just didn't actually ever beat Frankie Edgar, so he shouldn't have ever yeah. won the belt. But yeah. You know, he will have good wins um, and is a, a legitimate champion. But no, I, I would be very shocked if he put together like a, a five, six fight run as, as champ. Guys, Leon but, Edwards is a UFC champion. That's just I know, it's incredibly funny. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's unbelievable. And this is a guy who like straight up legit paid his dues and got there and got it done in the most improbable Yet, I don't know if hilarious, maybe hilarious is the word, it's like hilarious. in context of it all, and just the whole story of this entire card. But there's just no, with the way that the co main event played out, and like the kind of letdown with the Marab Aldo fight, and some of the weirdness that happened in the prelims. Like this, let me just, let me ask you this, Jed, and, we'll, and I'll get your take on this case because I know we kind of talked about this off air. But if that head kick doesn't land and Usman just, Rides out the fifth round and wins the fight. And I don't want to be a negative Nancy at all. 
But is this the worst pay-per-view of the year? <laughs> I'm really bad at answering this because I don't remember pay-per-view. Like, I, I just don't remember cards that well. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at what the pay-per-views were. I remember uh, the first one, the Nganu, like 71. Uh, 270. 270. I remember that one being bad. Um but I don't know if it was worse or not than this one. This can't be the worst pay-per-view of the year just because the co-main event was dope. Was so it? Yeah, but all the Marauders. The co-main event was really fun. Yeah. I we mean, got two finishes, but I mean, no one was, like, those, no one was really excited. Yeah, those, those, those could have been yeah. prelim fights, early yeah, prelim I mean, fights. Yeah. Those, they weren't also – they weren't even like that fun of finishes. In yeah, New York. Gonna... But the co-main event was one of the best fights of the year, so I struggle to think this would have been the worst pay-per-view of the year. Um. But and I like it's I'd have it's to such a weird question. Also, it's such a weird question be because most of the pay yeah, and most of the pay-per-views are friggin' most of the pay-per-views have been awesome, like over way over delivering, like really good stuff. And we got 280 coming up, and then well, like 277 was good. 276 other, was that's the other thing here. Ended Mike. poorly. This is, a, this is a useless question because 279 is an abomination. That's going hey, listen, to be got, the worst we, pay-per-view of the year. We got Tony Ferguson fighting Li Jingliang now. Which, no, which I'm maybe. sure you guys, I'm sure you guys caught onto the next. I'm sure that was the fight after Chandler no. knocked him out. I no, <laughs> it was not. What you're not excited about Daniel Wolf's for. UFC debut on a paper on a pay per view uh, card? I'm excited about literally zero fights on that card. Zero of them. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go out on a better note, guys. Come on. Right. Uh, but Leon yeah. Edwards' post-fight speech was one of the best things Dope. that's happened this year. Yeah, uh, yeah, because that was awesome. uh, that dude was just that was everything you would expect of a guy in that position who, like you said, Mike, paid his dues every step of the way. Doubted. Yep. Uh, I'm going to touch back to a thing I said, I guess, two pay-per-views ago. Uh, I I know that I'm apparently on an island. I absolutely hate. That Alexander Volkanovsky acts as if he like he's doubted or people don't believe in him <laughs> or respect him because he was a huge favorite. I mean, he's a minus two hundred some odd favorite over Max Holloway. Nobody in the world doubted him, uh, but he just like fabricates this thing. And so after the fight, he's like, "Ah, oh, you all doubted me." Blah. No, no one did. Uh, and the reason I hate it is for nights like tonight because everyone did doubt Leon Edwards. Yes, a lot of people coming into this were predict like said that he could win. But look at the betting line. Look at what has happened. Look at the shit I have talked about Leon for the last year and a half. And again, I stand by everything I said because uh, I never said he was a bad fighter. Say super boring. And a lot of people did doubt that man. And so when Volk does something like that, it just rings hollow. It's it's that is you making something up because you're that like you have to do that or whatever. And that's fine if you have to motivate yourself that way, but don't project that out into the world as if it's true when it's obviously horseshit. But when Leon says, you all doubted me, look at me now, champion of the world, like that hits here. And, you know, mom, I told you, I said I was going to make, I was going to change our lives forever. Look at me now. Like that was, that was legitimately moving stuff. And that's why I don't want people who aren't doubted to pretend like they were because, People get doubted, like actually people get doubted and overcome those circumstances all the damn time. And for as great of an effort as Volkanovsky has given in his life and the fact that he is one of the best fighters ever, et cetera, et cetera, 
that man didn't come from the same. Like Leon Edwards came from a tougher, a tougher lot in life, yeah. all the way down, every step of the way. And I, we don't need to. Let's not co-opt his thing. Just do your own. Look, I'm a badass. Look at me. I just tuned up Max Holloway. Let Leon be the one. You guys doubted me. Doubt me now. So, I'm off my soapbox again. Jed Mishu soapbox was uh was <laughs> stacked nice and high. Stacked. There was oh. two soapboxes. He kicked oh, yeah. one over and then just stood <laughs> back up on the other half. Also, nope. flyweight unders, they never lose. And heavyweights, heavyweight overs. <laughs> heavyweight overs win. is getting we're in that not, discussion. It's it's getting in the discussion, but you know we're like I said, we're not going to pre, we're not going to blow things up too early. We take our time. We let them prove themselves in here. Heavyweight overs mostly win, but flyweight unders, they never lose, baby. All right. And I hate to burst your bubble. I don't know if you know this, but there's not a single flyweight on the 279 slate I know. right now. So we, we, there's, yeah, I don't think that there's nothing at Paris either. Oh, there's, and, and, uh, so no and flyweight C- under for a and while. And Cedric Dum- Dumbai is, uh, he's off the card. We don't, we don't know what's happening. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't believe UFC is even we, happening. I don't, I don't, I don't we, for some reason we, I don't. Do we kind of know? Yeah, we we yeah. kind of know what's happening with the. Oh, yeah. Listen, we know what's happening. Yeah, we know what's <laughs> we happening. Know. We've seen this we before. Know. Listen, here's what I'll say about this because so many people have asked about it. He is not under UFC contract, at least from the people that we have spoken to at MMAfighting.com, tremendous website who does their homework. Great. Um, Great website, but right? I will say that I, I will say this: <laughs> he is on. He is basically on a list where as soon as whatever he is dealing with is cleared and he can fight. The UFC will pick up the telephone and call him up and say, now nah, you can come fight. You're clear. He just doesn't have a contract right now. But in, once he gets cleared, he probably will. So I think one side is saying one thing, the other side saying another. And I think there's like just some losing of translation, but they're both kind of right and wrong at the same time. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's we're I don't think we're living in a world at least from what I know and what I've been told and what other people that I work with have been told, I don't think we're living in a world where you'd never see Cedric Dumbe fight in the UFC. So I'm positive we will see him fight for the promotion. He, it's just not happening in two weeks. And it may not happen this year, but it will happen. And it'll happen sooner rather than later. Okay? There you go. There's your Cedric Dumbe update. With that said, hit the music. music. This is a longer post-fight show than I thought it was going to be, but it's okay because this is a a night full of storylines. A big thing, and we have a lot, and we have a lot to discuss tomorrow, Jed. So, get a couple hours shut eye. We still have some work to do, but a couple hours shut eye. We're going to bed for a while. I have plenty of stuff. We'll try to get like two to three hours, and at eleven a.m. Eastern, we'll be back, and we're going to do some matchmaking. On to the next one. Myself, Jed Mishu, filling in in the gigantic shoes of the world traveler. Alexander A.K. Lee, and Dude. we'll have some fun. So, matchmaking picks, save them for tomorrow, and we'll pull them up on the screen and we will address them. And Jed will probably not be kind to you if he thinks your picks suck, but who knows? I'm going to no, be probably no, no. a little grumpy. Okay, I'm bad at that. I'm, I'm not a matchmaker. That's that's your purview. You and A.K. Yeah. do a great job. I'm, yeah. I'm just there to, to carry the water. And I'm probably going to be a grump and just, I'm going to have hot. I'm probably going to have takes tomorrow, but we'll see what happens. Let's go. For Jed, for Casey, I am Mike Heck. Hope you guys enjoyed the card. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night, everybody.
Love you guys. Happy birthday, AK. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.